The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. First cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is presented by Bonobos Forever. Your tour takes you, Kyle Porter, here, and we are boots on the ground at Oak Hill. The sun is setting on what was an excellent first day of golf. I think it's set. Uh, what was your moment of the day? Tom Kim rolling around in the mud. <laughs> Then having to wash himself off, then only finding out after his round that we all had saw it. Yeah, we just saw this tweet from from Claire Rogers. Uh, he said, "Everyone knows, as if we know, as if like you know, all of us who follow this religiously weren't watching the PGA Championship and right. seeing Tom Kim up to his, you know." belly button and mud certainly indeed we're gonna add one more voice to the conversation greg ducharme is here hello greg what's going on guys i'd have to agree with that moment it was uh that that was pretty <laughs> special uh, i i don't know if i've seen a, that happen on very often before uh but when you get tom kim doing it he, he makes it very entertaining and i loved his comments afterwards too normal sport Certainly a normal sport. We saw the best players in the world play golf on a phenomenal, difficult golf course, but Tom Kim rolling around in the mud was the moment. Um, let's it's the first round of a major. You're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to get all historical and wax poetic. It's supposed to be Tom Kim rolling around in the mud. Well, we are, uh, we're here at Oak Hill, KP, and a lot of times in major championships, uh, the storyline is obviously the players, but a lot of times the golf course uh, starts to take hold of the conversation. And for what we saw on this Thursday, that was... Uh, delayed this morning, frost delay this morning, set us back about two hours. How would you assess the play that we saw out here? Well, I, you know, it was interesting because you always hear, it, <laughs> I think Dan Rappaport put out a tweet today about how uh, you get all the, you get basically major championship bingo, where it's like, <laughs> oh, drop a ball in the rough and like, it's yeah. going to be a hard, you know, what would what would an 18 handicap shoot? All, all these different things. <laughs> But then you get to the major, you get to the tournament, and it it usually turns out just being like a normal, harder than a right. PGA Tour event, but not crazy. This one was pretty hard, and it made me wonder if there's only been four PGAs that have ever finished with a winner over par mm -hmm. since they went to stroke play back in like 1958, 59. Uh, the last time it happened was 1976. It actually made me wonder if it's going to happen this week because Scotty Scheffler talked about this afterward. Uh, this might this might have been the easiest day, and that's a that's a scary thought if you are if you shot three over and are feeling 
pretty decent about it because you gained a stroke on the field. Yeah, so that's that's right, Greg. We're, we're at about a 3.6 uh, scoring average for Thursday. Now, I, I should caveat this, that we, we're, we are obviously playing until sundown. There's maybe a couple golfers uh, still out there right now. Hard to see from our position, but they're going to not, we're not going to have the complete conclusion of round one on this Thursday. There will be a little bit of a resumption on Friday morning for the guys who went off late, so uh, maybe there's going to be a, a little bit of difference in the morning, but this was a very difficult day around Oak Hill. It absolutely was. I mean, you you talked about the scoring average being, you know, some three strokes over par, you know, three and a half strokes over par. Uh, there, there were only two golf holes on this golf course that played under par for the day. Uh, only two. So there are not a lot of birdie opportunities out here. When you have par fives that are as long as these par fives are, uh, the fairways are as narrow as they are. And Kyle, I, I thought you bring up a really good point. We always see the ball drop in the rough and we see how difficult it's going to be. And then we see these guys handle it just fine and, and they're able to advance the ball a lot farther than we think and shoot lower scores than we think. But the rough out here this week today so far was a problem problem uh, and we didn't really get the wind and guess what's coming tomorrow wind i mean you may see wind gusts above 25 miles an hour all day tomorrow starting in the morning so i do think this is the easiest day we're going to get and uh you know the the way scoring is right now uh, you know even par at, at the end of the week on sunday could be a, a really really nice number yeah that's right greg you know and that's something that Shuffler talked about was like, hey, it might blow 10 to 20 over the next three days. And it didn't, you know, there was a little bit, I guess, today. But what we saw on uh, Monday, Tuesday, even yeah. Wednesday in the practice rounds was, I, I, at least the wind, I thought was tougher than it was today. Yeah, I watched JT Poston and um, who else was out there? Oh, Joel Damon. Uh, played the par 3 11th on t <laughs> uh, Monday, or Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And there was a, there was, I mean, there was honestly like probably a 20 to 30 mile an hour wind. And it looked like, you know, Dikembe Matumbo in his prime just <laughs> swatting balls away from that green. So it, it's, if it blows at all, some of these holes are going to be an even bigger problem. And they can tuck pins more. Yeah, there's a chance that uh, our current leader, Eric Cole, who we'll talk about in a second, <laughs> has to hit driver on 11 <laughs> if that prevailing wind starts gusting 25 miles an hour. Greg, we'll, we'll go to you on Eric Cole. He's got a couple of holes to play, so we'll, we'll kind of tip our hat to him quickly here and move on to some of the bigger names, but Eric Cole uh, doing it different than maybe some of the other guys in the field. He's not the longest hitter in the world, but we have seen him play well in tough conditions, in big-time events. He's having himself a great year already, posting something bright and early here at the PGA Championship. Yeah, he's taking advantage of a lot of good birdie opportunities. You know, the strength of his game so far this year has been his iron play and his putting as well, I would argue. But he has given himself opportunity after opportunity during this round, and he's taken advantage of a, of a handful of them. And uh, I think he's done a really nice job putting the ball in the fairway as well, or at least in the right fairways. And when he has missed fairways, it, ha it happened on, on a par five that led to a bogey. He missed the fairway at 14 ended up making a birdie there and, and it seems to be where the, the missed fairways are opportunistic where they're not really creating that big problem where he can't reach the green and so many of these other players when you when you look at their names and you say how did they shoot you know 75 or over today well they missed a lot of fairways and it's hard to hit it on the green when you miss fairways so Eric Cole's done a great job of positioning 
his golf ball off the tee. And as a result, he's been able to take advantage of the strength of his game. And and that's been knocking a couple of iron shots really close uh, and, and putting a really, really nice roll on each and every putt. Uh, well, with respect to Eric Cole at five under par, um, I wanted to go to the real lead at four under. Well, I've got a question <laughs> real quick. Would you be more surprised if Eric Cole won this PGA or John Rahm won this PGA? Eric Cole. John Rahm's not that far out of it. We were, we were workshopping this earlier about if he just shoots two or three under on Friday, he's in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he shoots three under, he might be, he might he be might, in the top ten. He might be in the top ten. Yeah. Right? Because... Yeah, like, you, you might only have, I mean, look at this, board. I don't know if we can pull the scoreboard up, or the, the scoreboard, I don't know if we can pull the leaderboard up, but you've only got 12, 15 guys that are under par right now? Yeah. I mean, would you take even par at the end of the week? Uh, at this point, after what I saw today and hearing what I hear for Look the next this. three days. Minus one is T10. Yeah, I, I, like, you gave me minus one right now, it might be good, but Bryson, is deeper than that. Yeah. The not-so-thick boy, four under par, uh, 66 rounds Oak Hill. You know, he has played this a little bit differently this time, KP. We've, we've heard him in the past say Augusta National was a par 67. That didn't work out. Uh, he kind of tried to temper expectations a little bit this week, saying, I, I don't know how anybody's going to break par. Well, he did. 66, back in the mix at another major championship. championship. Yeah, I asked yeah, him yeah. afterward. Uh, the, the question that I had on my mind, because we got some surprises in... The first round. I think John Rahm shooting 76 was a surprise. Um, I think that, well, Finau was a surprise until he, he shot 41-31, which was crazy. Did he, did he finish at 31? Yes. I saw it was, okay. 72, 41-31. I joked about that, and he actually went out and did My it. favorite thing in golf is when a guy goes, like, neither round, neither nine is in the 30s. Like you go, like, 29-42 or something. <laughs> it's absurd. Uh, so there were, some, there were some surprises on Thursday, but I asked Bryce, and I said, what? has surprised you about this week and his answer was pretty good he, he actually said the fact that i'm driving it straight which which i thought was kind of funny but he had eight drives over 320 yards rick and led the field off the tee led the field off the tee by a lot mm -hmm. and he putted it well so i is it sustainable i don't know he's only got two top tens since that uh, that t8 at the open championship last summer and they're both on live now one of them was recently right last it was week. last week yeah. at live tulsa I, I'm a little dubious of the sustainability just because he hasn't really shown it. He hasn't really had a ton of momentum recently, but it is kind of his type of track. You know, it, it, it plays into what he does well almost perfectly. Well, well, Greg, you're our resident winged foot expert, and there were a lot of comps to winged foot uh, earlier this week and kind of alluding to the club head speed needed around the golf course with, with rough this thick, and maybe Bryson has a, has a crack at this place and certainly more than a crack here on Thursday. You know, maybe it's recency bias. It almost seems like the rough is more problematic this week. It, it is giving players just a complete headache around this golf course. But, you know, Wingfoot's a great example because not only is it just the club head speed that Bryson brings to the table, this is something that Rory McIlroy talked about after Wingfoot. You know, Bryson's a great rough player. Uh, he has a really steep angle of approach into the ball. It really helps him, um, you know, the term bomb and gouge. If, if there's somebody that can gouge it 
out of the rough, it's somebody with a swing like Bryson DeChambeau's. And I think that really played into his advantage today. Uh, but at the same time, like Bryson said to you, Kyle, he didn't hit uh, very many errant tee shots. He drove it really straight today. And he positioned himself to put it on the green 15 times. 15 greens of regulation every day out here, and you're going to win this tournament. Um, especially yeah. when you're an yeah. adequate putter like like Bryson DeChambeau. The Live Boys had themselves a pretty good day. Bryson DeChambeau, obviously, four under par. Dustin Johnson, same score. He's got a hole to play. DJ, capable of doing big things at major championships. They're, they're putting on a show to start this major. Yeah, they really are. You know, DJ came in, uh, he won Liv Tulsa last week. I, I, I was actually, I regret not taking him in our one and done. I was actually pretty... Did anyone? Uh, oh, I was thinking, did you? <laughs> I did. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Love that. Uh, he shot 67, so same round as Scotty Scheffler, who you just saw there. Uh, but I was excited about DJ this week because he, you know, we talked so much about can you can you hit a 310, can you hit a 320 and cover some of these bunkers yeah. and not get caught up in them. He drove it uh, very well on Thursday, and as a result, he's, he's three under and I would say one back of the real lead. I, you know, it's... <laughs> It's weird, though. DJ hasn't played that well in major championships recently. And he's been somebody who's always... His, his tee degree game is so good that even when he wasn't playing that great, he would still kind of get into it at majors. And he hasn't done that recently. So I'm excited. I, I like it when DJ's in it. I love it when Bryson's in it because yeah. he is... He's the high king. I told uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg, he's like Aslan from Chronicles of Narnia. He's just the high king of content. Yeah. Just He's talking about owner stability and peptide tests. And he's just, he's, he's, it's, it's insanity, but I love it. I can't get enough. That entire reference is over my head. But uh, Greg, someone else who teed a greens this golf course to death was Scotty Shuffler, a bogey-free, blemish-free, 67 rounds Oak Hill. It was absolute Scotty ball. Get up and down from everywhere. Make Paul move on it was the same thing we have seen time and time again gained over six strokes to the field and scotty scheffler stop me if you've heard this before inside the top 10 at a major championship <laughs> yeah this was scotty being scotty all day long it was really uh it was a clinic and the thing that i really like about this round out of scotty scheffler uh, this was not his best stuff he i mean a lot of that tee to green action came from his short game today but that being said, this is what we have talked about on the First Cup podcast for um, seemingly months, over a year with Scotty Scheffler. He's really smart. He plays the right shot at the right time. Yeah. And strategy is really important when you're playing poorly. You know, it, every strategy works when you're hitting it right where you're looking and, you know, everything is going to plan. <laughs> every strategy works. But when it doesn't, are you still able to put up a score? And and this was the prime example of that where Scotty, you know, he hits 11 greens today or, or 12 greens today. Uh, and, and all of a sudden he's able to get up and down. But... He's never short-sighted. He's never in trouble. He doesn't make the mistake like Adam Scott made on 18 where you put yourself in an impossible situation. Now, it's still impressive to be really tidy and clean and uh, leave yourself very makeable par putts the way Scotty did today. But he made the golf course a lot easier than some of the other players who were struggling, missing greens in the wrong spot. So it, it was really a, a tactful round. It was not his best stuff. And of any up here, I mean, I, maybe I would have said Adam Scott uh, before his 18th hole, 
but I don't think anybody played a better, easier looking round than Scotty Scheffler today. Scotty's kind of like, uh, he's kind of got some Tim Duncan mm. where you watch it and you're like, yeah, that's fine. And then he's got, you know, 28 and 17 boards right. and he's winning a <laughs> bunch of titles. You know, he's, it, it, it's the, the bank shot. Like, it's just, yeah, it's not super exciting, but it's, it's so consistent. It's, it, you know, it, it, it looks so different, Greg, than sometimes JT, Rory, definitely speed. They make 68s look just exhausting, and Scotty doesn't. You know, he just doesn't do that. Real quick, Greg, before we go to break, who, off the top of your head, who's the best golfer in history with only one major championship? I was thinking about this with Adam Scott was up there. He's got one. Scheffler's got one. Scheffler's obviously a lot younger and not hasn't gotten toward the, the end of his career. But do you have a best golfer in history with only one major? Oh, best in history. That is a, uh, a, a tough question. I think I'd have to go with, um, I mean, Scotty's probably going to add another major to the list. Uh, I, will, I will go with Adam Scott. I, I love what Adam wow. Scott's okay. done so far. Yeah, I think he's right. I think you he's could, right up there. Beautiful career. There may be an old David Duvall, missing, Dave, but mm. Davis Love the Third, Tom Kite, Tom Weiskopf, Louis Ustazen. Louis Ustazen <laughs> is not a, is not on the list. All right, we will continue this conversation and much more because there are notables, big name players, the number one player in the world who we haven't discussed yet. We'll cover that on the other side. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash first. Again, 
Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. We are here live at Oak Hill, the PGA Championship. And if you've been playing along in our PGA Championship fantasy game, well, we've got almost a complete round in the books. Remember, KP, you had to choose a past winner, the best player under 30, over 30, and then one of our PGA Club pros. You're not near the no, top of the list. No, I had Jason Day. That's not good. But there are... Plenty of good names at the top of the list. M. Mora, congratulations. At least through this point, you are in the lead. That team looks like Keegan Bradley, Rory McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, and the one, Wyatt Worthington, for his four-man lineup. Pretty good. So the big movers and shakers here, Scotty holding down the fort for the under 30s. Over 30, well, that's the same guy we've been talking about, Adam Scott. And then, of course, previous winners could have been Keegan Bradley. That would certainly go a long way. Yeah, I, my team name is going to end up being better than my team. Old Greller. I'm proud Old of Old Greller. Well, that's that should be worth at least half a point. <laughs> I don't I don't know how the points work, no. but well, I don't know if half a point is good or bad. It's, or probably, it's probably better than what you've got. Uh, all right, we got to talk about some big names who had okay, medium, and tough days. Let's start with Rory McIlroy, Greg. It was a 1 over 71 where he didn't hit a whole lot of fairways, didn't look super sharp, but as the day went on, that 71 got better and better, still very much in the mix. Very much in the mix. Uh, and, and look, he was three over par through his first nine holes. He hit two fairways today. Just two fairways today. It's uh, an incredibly impressive round considering that feat. But he had to do things like hole a putt for par from off the green down in one of those new runoff areas at number two. Like he did. And that's really the thing that jump-started the round. Uh, but then... After making a nice birdie at number four, he actually hit it on that green in two, and then with an iron, which was just an, an awesome shot in there. Uh, but you, then you go to number five, and he three putts, and it felt like it took away some momentum and played a very nice eighth hole as well to get this round in at, at 71. But afterwards, you know, I, I didn't feel like he felt overly confident. I, I don't feel like he is in this tournament the same way that some of the other players near the top of the leaderboard seem to be locked in i feel like this was rory's ability and talent shining through but as the conditions get tougher and tougher i still have i still have my concerns he, he's got to get this driver under control yeah i totally agree the driver is we, we talked about that we were on hq as he was kind of making the turn and i think i said something like i'm not really surprised that he went out in 38 because we watched him in his practice round or i watched him in his practice round on tuesday and it was right miss right miss right miss and i mean he, he is it great that he shot 71 hitting two fairway or yeah hitting two fairways sure is it sustainable i don't know if you can go out and, and win this golf tournament hitting two fairways every day i mean that's just that's a very difficult thing now i will say the fight was good. Right. Like bouncing back, that that's not necessarily. I think Rory's more resilient than he probably gets credit for, but that's not necessarily how he's gone out and won major championships. But I was kind of impressed by that, uh, just the fight that he had on the back. Yeah, the thing is, KP, it's it's so easy to make bogey around this place. 
And if you just disengage and kind of eject, you just start piling up birdies and and being able to come in, salvage this round. I mean, to Greg's point, if, if you start piling up bogeys. Yeah, what did I say? Birdies. You do not start piling no, up birdies. No. no, you start piling up <laughs> bogeys, uh, certainly. And if you are able to be kind of, you know, disengaged, struggling with the driver and still shoot a 71 around Oak Hill, isn't that a good sign? I Yeah, I, yes, it is. And that's why, I, I mean, you, you have, like... If you're a fan of Rory, if you want Rory to win, I think you have to be proud of the fight that he showed. I just, I'm with Greg. Like, the driver is not good right now. And he can't, you, you can't, I mean, can Rory go out and shoot 68 on Friday and be like T4 going into Saturday? Absolutely. Like, that is on the table. And he's very much in the tournament. But is he going to figure out driver between, right, like, right now and then? I I don't know. I hope so. That'd be great if he was in it on Saturday. The problem is when you struggle with the driver and the driver is that much of a weapon for you, Yeah, it's harder to separate yourself from the rest of the his, field. His iron play was good, though. It's yeah. a good sign because that's been, you know, at times more... He's a great iron player. It's been more inconsistent than driver. Is this the first like medium Rory round we've had to open a major championship? It's usually <laughs> full ejection yeah. or leading the tournament. That we've never had a medium round. Even the last... Especially over the last year. Yeah. He, he led after round one last year and then just fade, fade, fade. So maybe it'll be the opposite. Maybe this is how he wins a major. We've talked I about We've tried, we've tried, we've about tried every combination the of the other right 97 ways that yeah. you could win a major. Uh, well, it might be very difficult, though not impossible, for John Rahm to win this PGA Championship, Greg, and take the uh, Grand Slam to LACC. But he's got a lot of work to do. A six over 76. You talk about guys that didn't particularly hit a lot of fairways, that didn't look super sharp. We were kind of playing the same level of combinations for, for Rombo of like, well, if he just shoots, you know, one under on Friday <laughs> and then, you know, gets the right. We're, we're trying everything we can to get Rom back into the mix. Yeah, and, and I understand it. And I will say, to your point, uh, even though I, I think it's kind of crazy that a guy at six over uh, is going to win this golf tournament, there are a few things that I could argue to support your point. Uh, a lot of these early bogeys that he made, which really got him off on the wrong foot, came from barely missing fairways. Uh, and, and then he's unable to get it on the green and loses control of where this golf ball is going to go, loses distance control. Uh, and then he made a couple of mistakes from the fairway on the second side, but those felt a little bit more like frustration bogeys. Uh, and then the other thing is this kind of, and I know that every difficult golf course has been compared to Oak Hill this week, but Olympia Fields kind of came into my mind from the BMW <laughs> Championship a the few BMW. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. It, it had a very similar um, firmness to the greens. But the problem is, I don't think there's going to be that morning, that Saturday morning advantage where if Rob goes out and shoots three under and is at three over and, you know, in, in 17th place heading into Saturday, I don't think he's going to have that early tee time advantage where he was able to go shoot 66 at Olympia Fields. I think Saturday morning is going to be extremely difficult in its own right. Um, so, and that seems to be the case tomorrow as well, where morning and after afternoon there's not a huge difference not a huge separator as far as wind is concerned of course that can change uh, we were expecting to get 15 mile an hour gusts today this afternoon and i don't think that happened so this could be wrong but uh he's got a he's got a heavy climb but i don't think he's as far off with the driver as a rory mcelroy i, I think he got some well, some bad breaks today yeah, you, and you look at the score, and you look at you see seventy six on the card, and you think, 
Oh, that's not good. And, and it's not great, but... This is why this is why strokes gain tells a better story than just what your score is, right? Because he only Preach. lost what two two point four two strokes to the field, and he talked about Rick afterwards. He's like, I just need to get it to even going into Sunday. Yeah. So so think about this, right? So if you're if you're coming Saturday to watch John Rahm, like him making the cut, like what's the cut line gonna be? I mean, if he if he shoots even par, he's through. For his sure. Cut might be six, seven, eight over. Yeah. If it really gets spicy on Friday, like God, I hope it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I mean, Rom could shoot what? If, if he shoots 68, 67, which for sure not awesome. out of the question. Yeah. He's one over going into Sunday, maybe three or four back. I mean, it's a long, long way to go. But I just, I don't know. I don't know if we have the odds that we can pull up. Whatever his odds are, I'm in on it. Is it 20 to 1? Is it. 40 to 1, whatever it is. I mean, he did this at Harbortown, actually, right after the Masters. Got off to a slow start. Bad start. Yep. Jumped back in it on either, I think it was on Friday. I think it was Friday as well. And then all of a sudden he was he faded at the end because he was exhausted. But I'm in on Rom bouncing back from kind of a slow start on Thursday. 15,000, so no. 150 to 1 is what I'm being told, or John Oh, Rums. plus 15,000, okay. Yeah, so 150 oh. to 1. Bra yeah. <laughs> Put it. Well, I don't have any money to put on that, but if I did, I would, I would ride it. All right, we'll have to make a call to our friends over at Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, let's check in on a couple of guys going for their first major championship victory. Greg, you get the pick of the litter here. Tony Finau, you can go with. You can go with Xander Schauffele. You can go with Patrick Cantlay. Who would you like me to tee you up on? Oh, these are all great stories. Uh, let's go with Xander Schauffele. Um, Xander Schauffele. Two over 72. He starts off, how about this? Bogey, double bogey, bogey. Not a great way to start your round. It was much better after that. Uh, as we've been talking about, he's actually going to end up gaining about a stroke and a half to the field on this Thursday. Right, and, and you know these conversations about uh, about John Rahm and getting to the weekend and working himself back into it slowly. I feel like this is a situation more so for someone like Xander Shoffley, who's not so far back. Where hey, a two under par round tomorrow puts him right in the mix, and he doesn't have to go shoot sixty five one day um, if sixty five is even out here this week. He doesn't have to do anything crazy like that. He can chip away and play the way he did. For the last say 15 holes of this tournament and get himself right back in the mix and and the other thing i really like about xander in this position he's in is his game is really well-rounded and i'm watching the golf today i'm saying well you gotta hit fairways um, but you're not going to hit all the fairways because they're really hard to hit. And so what do you do from there? Well, you need you need to be able to rely on your short game. You need to be able to take advantage when you do hit the fairway uh, of your iron play. And Xander Shoffley checks all the boxes. And there aren't many players as well-rounded as Xander Shoffley. Of course, John Rahm's one of them. He's just four shots behind Xander. You know, he's he's well back. I think Xander's head, head start gives him a, a real chance to make a push here. And by the way, he is a great chaser, so I, I don't hate this position for Xander right now. Oh, that's the, what he does. The he chase, chases. the ch Xander chase down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, P. You get hunky Tony. Big Tony. Big Tony Finau was out in forty-one. That included stretch. Bogey on four. Double on five. Bogey on six. Bogey on seven. However. Flipped the switch, turned into a different golfer, turned into the guy that a lot of people liked before the event started, shoots that inward 31, and 
he's going to go to bed tonight probably feeling pretty good. You know, we were talking about, I can't remember, it might have been me and you and, and Joe Musso talking about, Tony is very patient and he's yeah. and he's pretty disciplined and i don't know that he gets enough credit for that because obviously he's long off the tee obviously he scores well obviously he started winning a lot but he's very patient and disciplined and that comes into play so much at major championships uh, i'm glad he did flip that switch because uh he was my one and done pick this week <laughs> and it looked uh it looked a little dire there for a while but he's he's in it i mean what is he he's two over he's two over two over the old 41-31. Yeah. Uh, you love to see it. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about him over the next uh, – I mean, again, any of these guys that we're talking about that are three-back, four-back, whatever, first of all, they, if they shoot 67-68, something like that on Friday, right there. The second problem, though, is Scotty Scheffler. Like, they have Scotty ahead of them. They've got right. some other guys ahead of them, but Scotty's the one that if you're Rory, if you're Tony, if you're Xander, if you're any of these guys, he's the one that you worry about because he doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Yeah, that that's kind of the problem. Uh, and, Greg, we've we've spent a lot of oxygen on, on this pod talking about the floor of Scotty Scheffler and how there, it just seems so unlikely that he removes himself from contention at any point, right? Like he's going to be dealing with the same conditions and the same issues everybody else is, but that elite tee to green, you know, go out and gain 10, 11 strokes from tee to green, it just keeps you in everything. And that's really the problem for the rest of this field, plus – Bryson, plus, uh, you know, Adam Scott, plus whatever else they want to throw at the top of the board. DJ. Yeah, it's a big challenge. And, you know, think about Scotty Scheffler and some of the close calls that he's had. And, you know, maybe he takes a little bit of heat for some of the short putting which gets put on display. Uh, his struggles with the putter is the thing that costs him more wins. Uh, but it doesn't cost him contention. It doesn't cost him that floor. And when you get into an event like this where shooting three under par is one of the best rounds of the day, and it very well could be the best round of the day uh, over the next three days. Well, you don't really have to fill it up on the greens. You know, Scotty today had a couple of bonus putts go in. He made two putts over 14 feet, um, and, and they were under 15 feet. They were, you know, 14 feet and change. And everything else was inside of five feet. So there, there wasn't really yep. a whole lot of stress today. And he doesn't need to have one of these really high-ceiling putting weeks in order to contend. And, and especially, the more difficult the golf course gets, the more his golf IQ rises to the table, the more his ball striking and short game come alive and, and shine. And I, I really, I think his weakness is hidden this week in a lot of ways and, and his strengths are emphasized. Uh, Rick, I found a great stat this week, uh, or I found a great stat today. Raman Scheffler have played in the same stroke play event eight times in 2023. So they play, they've both been in the field in the same stroke play event eight times. They've won six of those. Is that good? <laughs> uh, one of them, I should say, like the best finish was that they won six of them. Uh, the other two were a T4 was the best finish and a T11. So their worst best finish between the two of them in events that they both played in was T11 at Harbortown. It's crazy. Bodes well for Scotty. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, one of them has, whichever one of them was hot in a given event, 
close. Usually went on to win the tournament. Right. That's how 2023 has gone so close far. Enough. Is there anybody else on this leaderboard that you're looking forward to for any reason, right? You've got Jordan Spieth. Did we get a clean bill of health on Jordan Spieth shooting a 73? Is it, uh, is it Phil? Is it Ricky? Is it, I mean, what, is there anybody that you're laser focused in on this Friday? I think it's Hovland. Two under par. Hovland's two under. He's three back, two back of the real lead. And he's interesting because he's gotten some criticism, I think, over the last, whatever, year of like, hey, he needs to win the big one or whatever. Guess guess how you win the big one? You build up to it. Right. Right. It, it, not everybody's speed. Not everybody's JT. Not everybody's Rory. Hovland is building up to, you know, he was... Um, T5 at the Open after the first round last year. He was T1 after the first round of the Masters this year. He's whatever, T4, T3 right now. Going in after the first round uh, of, of this year and or of the PGA Championship this year. And he's, I think he's learning. You know, he said after his round, Rick, he was like, I'm learning to be patient. I'm learning to be disciplined. I'm learning I don't have to go at every pin, which yes, sounds. He loves to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I remember Kiowa. He was kind of dialed. And then he's just. He's just trying to flag every shot, and you're like, I don't think that's how it works. But it, it, it takes time to learn that, to get accustomed to it, and I'm excited to see how his next 54 holes go. His last two major championships are his best major championship finishes, yep. correct? Yep. All right, so that's the guy uh, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on amongst many, many others because we have a lot more action coming from the PGA Championship and Oak Hill. We here at the First Cup Podcast will have you covered each and every day after the round. Big thanks to all the hard work being done behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme available on Twitter at The Real GFD. This right here, that's Kyle Porter. Find him at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.